All right, it is time for the next episode of Jingle All the Way. Hello, this is the Real Heroes of E-Commerce podcast. I am your host, Jason, and we welcome you back to our holiday event where we have 24 of the brightest minds in e-commerce on to share their advice about marketing during the holidays. Today, we are kicking things off with Josh Tay from Path Digital Solutions. We are going to talk about rethinking the customer journey. There's a lot of good stuff in here, so I hope you enjoy it. So last time we talked, you brought up um, your idea about enablement. Yeah. Let's go into a little bit about what that is and, and how we can think about it. Right. Um, enablement. Enablement is, again, as I like always, I think people find me very boring because I'm always saying customer journey, customer, customer journey. But then um, it really is everything that marketing is predicated on. And true customer journey optimization is via enablement. It is essentially how efficient a customer moves through this journey. The, the longer they get stuck in this journey, typically the higher your cap. And this usually depicts what most brands do um, in terms of marketing activities. So which leads me to, I, I think my, my, my first point would be customer journey versus company journey, mm -hmm. right? Um, this, the term company journey was actually coined by John, Johnny Franco. And I, I, I heard about it first from him. So I saw it, I liked it, so I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, but you know, everyone's talking about this customer journey. They say, yeah, we prioritize the customers. We want to put our customers first. But then we don't really see that being done um, mm -hmm. in terms of you know, the enablement aspect. We, we see attribution softwares. They have uh, customer journey mapping tools embedded. We have funnel software. Uh, we have CX apps. Uh, they all have customer journey tools, but then... You know, no one's really talking about it. They're talking about the sexy stuff. Mm -hmm. So clearly it's important, but you know, if no one's using it, is anyone really prioritizing the customer? I would say um, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a funny thing because the customer is the one that generates the revenue. Uh, it gives you the sale and it's the one that you know, makes your business survive. But then you're not selling for the customer. Then why are we even, what, what are we even doing? Right. right. Most of the time we see we see one ad and then they bring us to a landing page or a product page or a category page or whatever. And there's gonna be one lame pop-up to give you a 10% discount. And that's <laughs> automatically. It. Yeah. And, and maybe if they care, if they care so much, they give you one templated card amended email from Shopify <laughs> or WooCommerce right. or whichever platform. Right. But, but that's not how customers buy. That's not that's not helping them buy better. Um, that is how the company wants to sell. But right. the real customer journey, the real way people buy is a lot more complicated than that. So then why are brands then showing product-centric ads you know, leading to short, um, like ugly product description pages that don't tell you anything uh, and they make you go do your research elsewhere for like a couple of hours and you get confused or you get distracted and then... Or but you buy from a competitor. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're, you're just you're just losing attention because you're lazy or because you're not helping the customer. You just want the customer to convert immediately. And even if they even if they do, like let's say, uh, capture your email, the next day, for the next few weeks, you probably just be receiving sales emails. 
-hmm. you know, does that really help you make a better decision as to why you should purchase with this brand? I, maybe it's maybe it's me, but then I I don't I don't want to buy this way. Yeah, I think the idea that like from these marketers' perspective is just simply staying top of mind rather than trying to answer questions or help them. I think is kind of where that disconnect comes in. I mean, even if it's uh, staying top of mind, I think that there's a different way to stay top of mind. Um, staying top of mind because you are always in their face could be a thing, but then it can be mildly annoying after some time. It's just like that. Um, it's like a, it's an annoying nephew or niece that you see at every family occasion and they pester you the entire time to ask you what's the new game that you have on your phone. Right. Right. They ask you, can I play this game? Can I play this game? But then like, you're trying to have a conversation, you're trying to live life and then they just keep appearing in front of your face. Yeah, they stay top of mind for sure. But at what cost? Right? After a while, you just start hating them or you start running away from them. Right. So brands need to not be the annoying nephew. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> because, you know, what, what, what happens when, you know, if you're constantly selling in this way, um, if let's say you're targeting a new customer and they first land on your page and you don't teach them anything, you don't, you don't show them how to buy, you don't show them why this is something that you should be considering, they just close the tab. They're like, okay, cool product, <laughs> close. They probably have multiple tabs open anyway. So right. if they close your tab, they won't even think twice and they continue with the day. So if, if you want to market well, you have to uh, answer the customer's question, which is what's the next step, right? Bring them closer to a purchase. It's pretty much all marketing is. I think this, is, this goes way back in the day to like old school marketing. Um, it's about demand, right? Creating a demand and then capturing a demand. But right now, what we are all doing is just capturing demand with people who are in market, people who are already ready to buy, right? We have a 30-day, 90-day window and we expect customers to buy during this, pro during this time period. But that's not really, you know, people might not shop this way. So we have to create the demand first, create that desire for people to want to engage with this brand and people to want to solve this problem immediately. So let's say there's desire for your product now. Then how do you get that purchase? Mm -hmm. So back to the same concept, you've got to move them down this customer journey. You've got to let them know what's the next step. So whether it's getting them from the aware stage of your brand to engaging with your content, that's, that's moving them down. Whether it's reading your product page. Your product page is essentially engagement is understanding your sales pitch is engaging with the product looking at all the images looking at all the, the videos uh, seeing products in use and then get them to opt into your list that's moving them down uh, whether it's getting them to buy one product to buying a bundle again moving them down right so this is this is buyer enablement this is um, enabling a buyer to buy better make a more informed decision that they won't regret because what we want to do is prevent buyer's remorse the moment we have buyer's remorse, then that's a, you know, that's a negative impression or a negative experience that we have with the brand. Always wanting to make sure they stay, stay engaged with your brand and not just leave after one time. Which I think a lot of people kind of give up at that point. They kind of assume that if the product is good enough, they will come back and quote unquote, be a loyal customer. 
I mean, that was a bit harsh. Yeah, 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 kind of, kind of the thing. Um, and then the, the, I think the next thing about the customer journey that people you know, don't really realize is that you know, we can move people down the funnel, you know, down this, this customer journey, but then there are times where people drop off. And so there needs to be this return path to capture people back. So if let's say they have opted in, what are the chances that they would buy? Probably not very high. So they will essentially fall off this customer journey. They'll continue about their day. Uh, you know, if you're not engaging them properly again and bring them back into the, down this journey, then they're just going to leave you forever. How, how should they, how should a brand like get them to re-engage? So that's where value-driven emails come into play. Uh, this is educating. So that, that's why, you know, in, in email flows, it's always good to, to segment people between existing customers uh, and I said first-time customer and, you know, someone who's non-customer. And then first-time customer, second-time customer, second-time customer, third-time customer. Because each person has a different journey that they're going through. Each person requires different messaging and different, different types of content. And the enablement would be completely different for someone who has not bought before and someone who's bought three times. You can't be sending, like, you know, what is this product kind of information for someone who is a third purchase. Right, they already know what this product is. It's about getting them to use it more and why they should use this more and how they can get better results with this. This is the type of content that they would require. It's different from someone who's a new, uh, completely new with your brand. You have to convince them from scratch like you know, what this product is, you know, what's your problem right now, how this product can solve your, 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 your problem. Right, I like that. Segmentation as part of that element of enablement that you know, a lot of people miss, you know, when you're trying to move them down. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, segmentation is, you know, everyone is easy to talk about segmentation, but then, um, you know, how do you segment is also another question. So then that comes to data collection. So where, where, where John is very good in zero party data collection, right. And then we use this data to, to decide, you know, how we're going to bucket our customers. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's always, there's going to be many ways that people can do it, but uh, and I like just bucket people as broad as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you can go down and narrow it down as you go down, uh, you know, as time goes by. So the, at the most fundamental level, uh, you're just going to have like three buckets. Three buckets is more than enough because you're going to have multiple flows branching out from these three buckets. It's less time, uh, sorry, less resource intensive on you to just create three buckets and then segment from there. That is better than, you know, this email blast, right? That, that is completely unsegmented and you just run discounts. So holiday marketing, great, uh, great for sales maybe, but not a great practice for building brand equity. So if let's say a brand has built themselves up and you're just spamming the discounts, um, you know, it's, it's just not going to do very well. You end up commoditizing yourself together with everyone else who's on Amazon, who's on the uh, Zada and stuff like that, and all the other marketplaces that are running deep discounts. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be comparing yourself uh, and making people think that you are just like them. Right. If you compare yourself too closely to another brand, it might remind the customer to just buy the other brand. Yeah. Um. So what are some, some ideas you would have for trying to, you know, market to these people in Q4? Um, 
I think that that is uh, that is on a tactical level. But before that, I think that there needs to be a proper strategy first and realize uh, and plan out um, you know, how your customers will buy and how you can enable them better with different types of content. So the first place would be to understand where the highest intent uh, the customers would land. And that would probably be on your product page. So the first thing would be to optimize your product page, uh, make sure that all the relevant information is there. And then the next step would be for all your card abandoned flows, your welcome flows and things like that. Um, the back end needs to be collected, uh, needs to be you know, solidified so that you can collect people and move them back through the customer journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all these will have to come before you start running ads. So now, let me just give you an example of uh, good buyer enablement for the acquisition side. So there's this brand that I like, um, and I'm actually quite a big fan of. Um, I've been buying them for about a year plus. It's called Medicube. So Medicube is a Korean uh, skincare company. Sister brand of April Skin. April Skin probably a lot more common. Um, great products, great ads, but terrible retention. Uh, so the the ads are always changing, and it's never one of those boring static product images with a white background telling you to buy now, right? It's, it's always some form of video or picture story that you know after you watch, after you look at it, you actually learn something or you are impressed by you know, what the product can do. They have lots of UGC, so that's great. So last I counted yesterday, actually, I was just looking through the ad library. They have 90, 90 different ads that they're running. So I mean, that's, that's ins- yeah, that is insane. So that's making sure that every customer doesn't see the same ad twice. Right. And, you know, if I'm, uh, if I'm attracted by it, I click on the ad, I land on the landing page. So now on, on their landing, on their product page, there are tons of information. There's, there's really a lot. There's videos, there are you know, images of products in use. Um, there's, there's a science of how it works. Um, there's the, the background of how the product was made. There's a description of each ingredient that's used and why that's good. Um, there's before and after case studies. There's lots of FAQs that answer my questions. You know, basically, they, they have everything to overcome my objections. So by this point, I am pretty much convinced. <laughs> and that itself is buyer enablement. It's enabling me to buy better because now I don't have to ask these questions and go elsewhere to do my research. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, as much as people still go everywhere, to do the to, to conduct their decision making. I mean, I, I still go to Amazon uh, to read other reviews. I still go to um, you know, I still Google and do comparisons with other products. But this like completely short uh, you know, shortens the decision making process. And this is extremely important because if the brand is able to do this, I kind of trust that brand a bit more. And they're also good in the way that they talk about themselves in a in a very uh, transparent way in a very vulnerable way so they, they talk about you know why our why our what is that called? concentrations are the highest because there's some brands who are talking like you know super high vitamin c concentrations and, and, and stuff like that so they just explain you know the reason why we don't have it because you know you kind of don't really need it we can we can put more but then we'll just be lying to you right so this is so some objection handling before the objection even comes that's a good right. start. 
yeah, I could see how that really does shorten your your own, you know, searching around the internet for to see if you want to buy it. Because if you have all those objections met, you're not trying to find new information from other websites rather than just verify it. Right, exactly. Because if not, I would have to go to Google and I would have to search, you know, vitamin C concentration, you know, what's the best? Or like, uh, do I need to find a product with high vitamin C concentration? And then I'll go to find a listicle with you know, fluffy content and I'll get frustrated. And then, you know, it's just confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, this prevents me from, you know, going through all that frustration. And then, uh, you know, if, if I go down, you scroll down the page, maybe about 60, 70% down the page, Finally, it triggers a pop-up for me to get a discount. That makes label more sense now. Rather than, you know, on first visit, it just boom, like right in your face. Hey, you want a discount? Right, so uh, like 60, 70%, this, this person is clearly interested enough. So, you know, this discount might help to make a push. I, I'm not sure what the strategy is, but um, yeah, just, just high intent. So I, now I opt in. So now I come to the subscribe stage. So... Um, and then as a company, maybe you think, oh, okay, this should be enough to make a customer make a purchase, right? Um, no, not, not really. So then the car dependent sequences come in and they're, they're pretty good in these uh, retargeting ads and all these have to be informational. It can't be purely transactional. I think that's where you know, many brands uh, have a problem and many marketers get very excited about trying to convert a lead um, that they don't realize that your customers still have many questions in their head. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting how you said um, when the pop-up came up 60 or 70% down the page, your intent being higher. And so, of course, you're going to respond to that 10% pop-up, but that's actually not what you're looking for. You know, you can actually get that that email is not just like, okay, here's your 10%, you can go buy. You can actually have a chance to learn more or see it in a different light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think this is where quizzes are also very useful. Um, there are many quizzes from like Octane, uh, Octane AI and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's just, if let's say, especially for brands with many SKUs, if you have 100, 200 different products alone, that is that's, you know, thousands of SKUs. So, you know, looking at your entire website, how am I going to make a better decision? Um, how do I know which product is the right one for me? I mean, it sounds lame right? because we are marketers. We've seen this many times. But then for a customer, this is, this is extremely helpful. If let's say you can answer my questions and let's, uh, let's say you ask me which country am I from, right? And this country is not just for collecting data for the sake of data. It's about understanding, let's say, uh, you know, the weather conditions in my country. So in Singapore, we have humid we have humid weather. So mm-hmm. a country with humid weather, our skin um, reacts differently to a country with temperate, in a temperate climate, right? Um, so just based on this alone, you can solve a lot of people's problems. And then the next one will be asking you about your age. So by asking for your age, you can understand a bit more about hormones. If they're in like the 40, 50 year old range, you know, menopause might be an issue. If they're at the you know, 15 to 20, 20 year old range, you know, maybe not 15 years old, they probably won't be buying stuff yet. Uh, but 20 to 25, you know, they, they could still have you know, some prepubescent raging hormone issues, right? And, and, and this, this can help significantly. And then you start recommending products later on based on what they answered. And this 
segmentation would be your buckets. And this would decide you know, where customer, what kind of messages customers would, would receive. Um, and then you know, how you're going to time this down so that they can be you know, more primed for a purchase. Mm -hmm. And again, this is enablement. I really like that when you are getting that information rather than collecting just demographic data, you are actually looking at it as the mindset of that person, you know, depending on their age, you know, the mindset of the, the buyer will be different. Um, I think it's a really good use case for, for those quizzes. And another thing you said as marketers, you know, we see these things again and again. And so we tire of things like quizzes thinking, ah, this is old hat but actually most customers probably haven't run into it that much and do appreciate that extra engagement. Yeah, because customers probably all just receive the same type of pop-up, put in your email and get 10% off, which does jack shit for you. You don't understand anything about the brand. You don't understand anything more about the product. You're just like, okay, cool. I have 10% off. But at this point, they probably have 50, 10% off discounts in their email already. So how, how does that make you any different from any other brand? And as a company, what does one email do for you? It doesn't give you any information about this customer at all. Mm -hmm. So you just give 10% of your margins for no reason. You didn't help the customer uh, and you didn't help yourself. <laughs> so it's just like putting money on the floor for no, for no use. Right. That's really good. I like that. Um, so for, if anyone has a question that and they want to reach out to you, um, to go more in depth on this, cause we're kind of running out of time, but where should they find you? LinkedIn, always LinkedIn. LinkedIn. All right. Okay. Josh, um, thanks for being on the show. That was really good. Thanks so much, Jason. Catch you again. All righty. That is all we have for today. But we will continue this conversation in the online community on our Substack. So if you have questions or want to share your ideas, search for the real heroes of e-commerce on Substack.com and subscribe. Until next time.